Con Radio, presented by Wizard World. Radio for Geeks. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the bug that splatters across the windshield of crime. I am Darkwing Duck, and I'm listening to the Candare Podcast. How about you? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Can Dare, a tribute to comics and pop culture right here on the Wizard World's Con Radio. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. And I am Jake Runyon. And joining us today from Think Alike Productions to talk about his comic Storm Pirates, we have Richard Rivera. Thanks for being back with us, Richard. Oh, glad to be here, and I don't miss the snow. (laughs) (laughs) The snow's gone now. There's green on the trees. I love it. It's all rain right now. Yeah, isn't that fun? Better than snow. True. Better yeah, than snow. I could bring the snow back if you want me to come visit. <laughs> pass, pass on that one. We have a good show for you today. We're going to be starting off uh, talking about the toys we've always wanted but never owned in uh, this week's Retro Roundtable. Then we're going to be cutting over to a short interview with Sean Forney to talk about his Kickstarter for Geeky Goddesses, the pinup art of Sean Forney. And after that, we're going to be diving into the comic dump bin. Uh, what do you guys got this week? Anything good? I've got Iron Siege. Boy, that looks pretty uh, bold. World War II zombies. Hey, hey. I, I, got finished, a, uh, go ahead. I finished off uh, Civil War. Ooh, nice, yeah. nice. I got me an old Spider-Man comic from the early 90s to talk about. Uh, then after all that, we're going to be turning our attention over to Richard and talking about Storm Pirates. But before we do all that, let's get to the Retro Roundtable. It's showtime. All right, guys. Toys you've always wanted but never have owned. Who'd like to go first? Subject. It really kind of is. Nice. The things I have on my list, I would still want. I still want to this day. I hear you. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, contemplating contemplating this subject uh, might end up costing me a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. One in particular thing, I've seen it a couple cons, and I want to say I don't even know what the price was, but it was up. It was up on the high shelf in the back to where it's usually stuff that's very high dollar. Mm-hmm. It was the Imperial Walker. Mm. Like the original you know, in box and everything. Man. Cool. Yeah, that'd yeah. be a lot of fun to have. <laughs> right now I have to settle with a Lego version, but it's just that's as good. Close. Yeah. It's like you're in a third world country. About <laughs> <laughs> you, Jake. All right. Laser Optimus. It was like a special mm. version of Optimus Prime that had a trailer that unfolded into this gigantic battle station. It had like a disc launcher and a big like pump that you'd stomp on and it would fire like this six inch missile mm. and all kinds of spring loaded launchers everywhere. And a big sign on the side of his trailer that said Laser Optimus, which is baffling. I don't know why he'd need to advertise himself. <laughs> but I remember he was, oh, he was so cool. He was like a little bit bigger than all the others and he had this big like laser i guess sword but it was like an excalibur style with like the cross guard and everything oh my god but it was like 90 bucks even back then so i would beg and plead with my parents who already (laughs) did way too much for me so it just it disappeared i think you can find it on ebay for like a 
four hundred dollars or something yeah. ridiculous like that. But yeah, Laser Optimus will haunt me the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Richard? Once I started my list, I had to start cutting it back down. But uh, I'd say probably the one that sticks with me is back when uh, Shogun Warriors they were coming out. They had they had the two foot tall plastic ones. They had the spring loaded axes and things they would throw, which quickly got taken off the shelves as children were falling to the wayside with injuries. Um, they were spring-loaded, and then they, they later changed them to be spring-loaded where the pieces didn't actually fly off their body. So, uh, you know, I guess it just kind of it came, came off a little bit but didn't detach. But at the same time, they had five-inch, very detailed, die-cast versions. And uh, those were so sweet. And my parents came pretty close. They got me one of the really big, tall uh, plastic ones, those hollow plastic. Uh, of course, you know, loses a lot of the detail and all the edges are rounded and it's kind of this soft toy look, you know, even more of a toy looking thing instead of this badass metal robot. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I it didn't impact me as a child or anything. I, I'm sure I, I haven't overcompensated with uh, with with all of my other metal toys that I've bought since then. But uh, I, that probably is at the top of my list as far as like a single toy. But other than that, um, in a timely fashion, I will say, Micronauts. Um, oh, yeah, those were cool. Those were so cool. And, of course, Micronauts 1 just came out last week, and it was awesome. Um, but uh, with the little magnetic joints and being able to take the little pieces um, – I mean, a Croyer and Baron oh. Carza and everybody. I mean, those toys were just so sweet. What was and the one best... that was like a, like an Egyptian-themed, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong series, but he had like a pharaoh thing going. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, that's, uh, I think he was, he was a uh, pharaoh, and he was... Pharaoh, that's the one, yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I love those toys as a series. There is a Micronaut sitting right here on the desk with us every time we record an episode. Been guarding the desk lamp. As soon as you started talking about it, I was like, those sound familiar. And then I look over to my left and I was like, is that one right there? Yeah, and then he said magnets and we were both like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Um, I've got a few here. <clears throat> when Jurassic Park came out, oh, my Ooh. God, I was into Wicked it. And the uh, original toy line was pretty sweet. The battle damage dinosaurs. Exactly. Chunks of their flesh mm. would fall off. Exposing the ribs. So and cute. The, yeah, exactly. But um, the one, I had the baby T-Rex, but the one I always wanted but never had was the full-grown bull T-Rex. This thing was, I don't know, maybe two feet long, stood close to a foot high, and it was so big it could take the action figures all the way down its throat. <laughs> but this thing uh, was like 50 bucks, and uh, yeah, that was one thing that they would never get for me. Playset kind of things, uh, the Technodrome from the Turtles, nice. and the Ghostbusters Firehouse. That was another one I always wanted. I remember wanting the Technodrome, but Do it's you? like I could never find it. Uh, if I remember right, like some like curved ramp fell down the front of it, and the eyeball like would fall off the top and roll oh, off like a cannon. <laughs> and the one thing I didn't like about the Ghostbuster playset was um, the the fire pole. Was, was this, this a platform that they would spin on the way down? It was a platform that had uh, little marks you could put their feet in, and yeah, yeah they were standing up, <laughs> spin down the pole, but. 
Oh, I was. I always wanted those. I had a buddy who had uh, both of them, and uh, he got a lot of those toys growing up. And he didn't care for his toys like I do. I mean, nah. I still have my toys in this room sitting on the shelf behind me from that same time. Everybody has that friend that just beat the shit out of their yes, stuff. Yes. Yep. It's like the little kid next door from Toy Story. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like Sid, right? Yeah. Mutating. <laughs> at least that was cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, they had this big burn pile at the back of their property, oh, and I was boy. over there all the time hanging out, and I remember being out there one day and seeing the Ghostbuster firehouse like half melted in a burn pile, and I just stood there like... <laughs> I would have loved it. <laughs> Giving it a home, you know? What could have been. Yeah. Uh, one other, I'll just get this one out and that'll be my last one, was, um, I don't know if you guys remember a store b- back in the day called Service Merchandise. Yes. I remember the name of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you go in there, there's this a big store full of stuff and everything has a little number on it and you pick the number, put it in and you go to the front of the store, pay and you wait at this counter and this like long conveyor belt brings your uh, <laughs> whatever you ordered out to you from the warehouse. Yeah, what a weird place. Yeah. I, I remember that though. Yeah. That's where I got all my Transformers back in the yeah. day. For some reason they had the good stuff. Yeah, they did. They had a lot of turtle stuff too. Yeah. That's where I got a lot of my turtles. But um, uh, in the height of Pee-wee's Playhouse, they had, remember Cherry the chair? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had a kid size like like big chair of cherry you could oh, sit man. in the mouth open the arms moved and my god i begged <laughs> and begged and they just were like there's no way <laughs> it's not happening i had nightmares about cherry when i was younger really so that would have that screwed me up bad. more so than the dog chair dude the chair freaked me it was the idea of something that innocuous you know that like cherry was immobile you had to bring yourself to him and make yourself vulnerable i don't know i'm I'm digressing. Mm, the armrest would just hold you into out. it. And you couldn't get up. <laughs> but she was, I mean, it was, she was soft and inviting, and she was cool. It was the I dog just, one I would never sit in. I, I get that, but, like, I just, I dreamt that I had to sit there and watch as Cherry ate my sister from the legs up. It, it was Randy never the was same. my biggest fear. Are you being serious? Are you making I'm this shit up? I'm dead serious, dude. No, no. This is serious. <laughs> he, like, spaced out, like, staring at the wall. Like, yeah, because the, the, the wounds are still fresh. It's going to haunt me for a while. Oh, Kandar will not pick up your therapy bill. That's I understand, <laughs> Just add crippling debt to my list of problems. No big deal. <laughs> Anybody else? One thing I had on my Christmas list for a f- quite a few years was the uh, G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. Oh, my Ooh. God. I think it was six feet long. So that toy store cool. I told you about downstairs, uh, big or downstairs, downtown, uh, called Big Fun. Yeah. They have that thing there. I'll set up in the front window. It is enormous. I always wanted to, I never saw what it looked like. I just know it was ginormous, and I would have loved to have it. But parents, there's no way in hell they'd have bought that for me. I'm surprised any kid got that. Yeah, it was the most yeah. impractical thing. Yeah. It took your entire <laughs> bedroom yeah. up. Like, what are you supposed to do with this thing? Lose the bed, man. You've got an aircraft carrier. Mm-hmm. Prioritize. <laughs> it's big enough you could have slept on it. It wouldn't yeah. have supported yeah. well, you, but yeah. it was big enough you really could have slept on it. It was an awesome toy. You know, there was some turtle stuff that I always wanted. Like uh, it was like they had like mechanized samurai armor. Mm. It's like they came out with a whole line. I think they had like treads on their feet and they would move around and they had all kinds of missile launchers. I don't remember those. Yeah, they were cool. And then one birthday I was like, oh, I want these. I want these. Mm-hmm. And then what I got instead, and I'm not complaining if any of my parents <laughs> listen to this later, what I got were Waterworld action figures. Oh. Now that sounds lame, but let me clarify. <laughs> They were pretty awesome because they had like squirt guns that also had projectiles. So if you squeezed it hard enough, you'd get the double whammy of the water and like the missile. And it had like a big attack boat thing going. And it was the only 
Dennis Hopper action figure I'm aware of. So I'd. <laughs> you know what they, they should, uh, the Waterworld toy they should make is the toy that changes your piss to drinkable water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Practical and fun. Not that I want that or anything. I would add that to the list of toys that <laughs> I don't want and never own. Isn't that called a Brita? <laughs> Note to self, don't drink water at Jack's yeah. house Get Brito on the phone, we got a new ad campaign for Pull up Bear Grylls Man, along the line of the Ninja Turtles The uh, the blimp I never had And uh, the one yeah. thing I always wanted And actually I saw it at a convention last summer But this th- it was busted to shit And the guy still wanted like 50 bucks for it Was uh, the original the Krang, Krang Yeah, I remember that mm. And um I just loved how much bigger it was than mm-hmm. the rest of the figures. And nowadays, I mean, look behind me here. I, I picked up the Krang from the new series. Everybody is sized exactly the same. Yeah. So the Krang body is not the least bit intimidating when the turtles are towering over, you know, or, you know, just the slightest bit bigger than it. But, uh, man, that thing was awesome. I would love to have that still. Anyone else? Robotics. I don't know what that Ooh. is. It was kind of like, kind of like Erector sets up there. It was... Like hex, hexagonal tubes that you could put together, and they came with engines. I had those little motors, oh, and it kind of had a keyboard that would turn the motors back. Yeah, again. and there was like a dinosaur head one that you can make. Oh shit, I remember. They had yeah. wheels and uh, arms that would turn on themselves, to, like mm-hmm. move itself forward and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I had like a small set of those. I could only ever make like two or three variations, but uh, they were fun. It was kind of like um, Zoids. You guys yes. remember those? Oh, yeah. my God. I always wanted one, but I remember my dad telling me, like, you're not ready for that. Because, like, I'd get the Lego Technic <laughs> sets, and those would, I'd burn out, like, I don't know how to do it. It's too hard. <laughs> if I had a Zoid, it would just be in pieces everywhere. What about you, Richard? Well, I mean, I, I, I kind of went through my, uh, some of my top ones, although I kind of liked uh, Inhumanoids as well. Oh, and, uh, I had one of those. The, uh, the thing about the Inhumanoids that I found funny was that the most interesting things were the villain monsters i mean decomposed. those what you wanted those giant plastic toys you know tendril and everything i mean who cared about the guys who were fighting the inhumanoids no. the heroes that's not the draw you know that i've never even thought about that i've you know until i grew up and started actually collecting toys then i started buying villains but as a child i never bought the villains you always buy the hero you know yeah i was and on the total opposite i was but, all over the villains well the inhumanoids was the exception i i don't remember what the creature was maybe you can help richard but it was like a great big skeleton with a bird head and his rib cage open and you could put the figures inside yeah, yeah that was decomposing decomposing okay. yeah yeah, yeah. that's cool oh my god i wish and I then had uh, that. and then you know for those of you who have knitted cthulhu caps um, <laughs> Tendril, of course, was uh, kind of loosely Cthulhu-based. Yeah, you yeah. see that. Definitely had some, if not influence, then certainly strong coincidence going on in that design. Right, exactly. And then, of course, you know, that, that, that wonderful era where everything, they, uh, you had silver hawks, you had yes. tiger oh, yeah. sharks, mm-hmm. you had thunder cats. Um, all street those toys. I mean, those street, were I was all just hands down, dude. I had Doctor. Uh, was it Doctor Piranha? Doctor Barracuda? Uh, something like that. I I would watch them if I caught them. I never got gotcha. into them, but I enjoyed I them. I just know his face went all gnarly, like in the cartoon. He'd Hulk out and get crazy. They looking. all looked gnarly. I mean, yeah. like it was a big head, mouth, and legs. <laughs> yeah. <They're>, yeah. <laughs> and I, I had the action figure. You press a button on his back, and his face would turn around, and he'd have like an anglerfish face. I was, mm. oh, it was the best. God, those toys are awesome. Coolest. <laughs> They're not that cool anymore. Mm, they didn't nah. hold up very well. 
compared to the stuff I see in the Walmart toy aisles nowadays, yeah. that was some cool stuff, you know? One thing uh, that comes to mind, toys that I always wanted never had, was in the height of Home Alone 2. When that came out, remember how big the, the uh, what was it, the Talk Boy was? The, it was like the hand uh, cassette recorder that had the little microphone oh, that he used yeah. in the movie to like, yeah, yeah. do all of his antics. They then put that on the market, and boy, that thing was hard to find, and I wanted one so bad. I just thought, I could be just as crazy as Kevin McAllister with one of those <laughs> things. <laughs> But uh, then I remember they made a pink one called the Talk Girl oh, to be yeah. totally but PC. I remember know? seeing the commercials mm-hmm. more than having one. I don't know if I had one. I don't know if I really wanted one, but I remember the commercials really clearly. You can have lots of high-tech fun with Tiger's Talkboy tape recorder. Hey, stop drooling on me. <laughs> hey, stop drooling on me. It even has speed control. Hi, kids. We're home early. <laughs> Hi, kids. We're home early. Tiger's Talkboy tape recorder comes with audio cassette. Batteries not included. As long as I can remember, I always carried a tape recorder with me. I had a little, just simple cassette recorder that never left my side, and it was not made to be carried around. So when I saw the commercial for this thing that you could just talk into, had it wrapped around your hand, right. right where your fingers could push the buttons, boy, I was all about it. But alas... I never had one. What could have been. Yeah. Bit impractical these days, but what are you going to (laughs) do? What attracted me to it is the inconvenience and the expense. (laughs) It'd be something that went on the shelf. Another one, uh, the Forest Endor playset. Oh, my God. That's so crazy you say that. Okay. You mentioned the aircraft carrier. Mm -hmm. And what did I say? That's in the front window downtown at that toy store called Big Fun. That's in the right side of the window. In the left side, the whole Ewok <laughs> oh, town geez. is set up. Well, is it the Ewok so town? Because I know I always wanted the, the, the Ewok playset, but never did get it. But then years later, after I got a little bit older, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves came out. And I went to the store and got Kevin Costner, Robin Hood. <laughs> and come to find out that they had Sherwood Forest. Which was the same damn playset, except with leaves on the top of it. Are you really? And I thought this is my chance. Wow! But I couldn't find it. It really was it. the same. Yeah, same exact thing. Even the uh, fire pit where you can hook uh, characters' yeah. arms in there and cook them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, same exact thing. Wow. It just had treetops instead. Huh. This was the uh, Ewok one for sure because it had like the domes on the top, like the yeah the cone looking tops to them. Man, you need to go to that store. That sure do. We'll just we'll just go down there one day and spend hours in there, <laughs> and come out bankrupt. That's the dream. All right, I guess we could cut it there. Unless anyone else has any more. I think I'm tapped out. Hit the major points. Laser optimus. Laser optimus. <laughs> I, I I will uh, maybe have my T Rex one of these days. I'm hoping. I don't have enough shelf room for him though. He'll, he'll take a whole shelf by himself. So. <laughs> All right. Well, before we jump into the comic dump bin, let's cut over really quick and talk with Sean Forney about Geeky Goddesses, the pinup art of Sean Forney. Thanks for joining us, Sean. Hey, thanks for having me. So you're here to talk about Geeky Goddesses, the pinup art of Sean Forney. Tell us a little bit about this. Well, it's an idea I've had for like the last uh, three years or so, and it's been pieces I've been working off and on as like print images and whatnot for conventions and uh i wanted to collect them into an art book 
as well as collecting all the sketches and like thumbnails, all, all the stuff that led up to the, the finished images. So it's basically all my thoughts on paper. And it's just, I don't know, an idea I got from, from seeing uh, various things that inspired me, including seeing some like different cosplays, things like that. And uh, I just kind of ran with the idea. I was fortunate enough to have a few friends that were models and cosplayers and whatnot. So I worked with them and uh, started putting the pieces together. And we decided to launch Kickstarter about nine, ten days ago, something like that. So these models would pose for you as you uh, drew them? Were they, they were in their cosplay, or did they just take a form and you drew the cosplay on them? How did the process work? Uh, it started out, I just took a bunch of uh, basically some random photos. Um, I just had some general ideas in mind uh, that evolved over the time of working on it. Uh, my initial ideas, I think I, I had a little bit more broader sense, and I kind of just uh, focused in a little bit more onto very specific like genres and whatnot that I wanted to touch on. So like I said, I, I took like a bunch of just uh, generic photos of, of some poses I thought would work with uh, specific ideas and whatnot, and um, I built everything around the, the pose and the idea that I had. So I would take the pose and I would kind of rough out some sketches based on that. And then I would rough out the ideas of, like, say, the costume design or the background, all the different elements that would that uh, ended up in the finished piece. And again, that's that's some of the stuff that I'm collecting in this book is some of those sketches, those ideas that I worked out to get to that finished piece. And this accumulation of work is three years in the making, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I started out with uh, one of the one of the models that was a friend of mine uh, and wanted to do this idea. Uh, like I said, took some photos and why not started out did uh like two or three prints uh and then once i kind of got the idea a little more set as to where i wanted to head with it I, I ended up contacting some other models and whatnot that uh that i knew through various uh means from like conventions and things like that and just started working from there and uh i've, I've over the last couple of years i've done just like a small handful each year and now i'm kind of uh into the final few pieces that i need to do to finish off the book so it's kind of wrapping up the last like four or five pieces well, what we've seen on Kickstarter is uh, pretty pretty darn cool. I, pretty I, yeah, it is. I love me some pinups, and uh, <laughs> these are, are no exception. These are awesome. These are awesome. Thank and you. This is on Kickstarter till June 7th, but it looks like you're uh, you're already blowing it away. So <laughs> I was going to ask you about rewards, but we might as well throw the stretch gold re uh, rewards in there as well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we, we've got everything. We, we tried to do it so that like everybody could jump on board with this thing. Three dollars is like the lowest thing you can throw in there, and that gets you a digital copy of the book. And then everything past that three dollars, I think it's like five dollars and up, gets you at least a copy of the book in print. And then you can choose from uh, a, a copy of one of the uh, images as a print, or you can uh, get original art sketches. Um, all, all sorts of things. We tried to give a wide variety. I think there's like 30-some-odd packages available right now. Um, we, we met one of our stretch goals at $1,500 that anybody that pledged basically from the print book on up will get two free weekend passes to Gem City Comic Con 2017. Oh, hey. Nice. Wow. Wow. So, so I, I know it might be a little bit of a travel for some, some of the folks that are, uh, you know, throwing in to, to pledge for this thing. But the cool thing is that the convention gave me the opportunity to design tickets based around the pinup art. So the tickets themselves will actually have art from the pinup book. So there'll be a little bit of a collector's item on their own. 
That's so cool. For, yeah. For the folks that can't travel in, they, they'll have something as a collector item. Convention admission is not cheap, no, so no, that is a hell of a gift. Uh, hell well, yeah, of a reward. yeah, yeah. And well, thankfully these guys they they keep their their prices uh, affordable to get in, and you know they're they're helping out and making it that much easier for people to go check out the convention. And uh, the next goal is something that I've been intrigued by for the last uh, last year or so since this thing kind of hit was the idea of the adult coloring book. So if we reach the next stretch goal of $2,000, everybody that pledged uh, like $15 and up will get included with what they already get in the, the reward that they selected. They'll get a coloring book that'll be all the black and white images of the pinups that are included in the book. So it'll be like 16, 17 images that they can color. Coloring books is a big deal right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah yes. People love that. Yeah. yeah, they really are. I wouldn't mind having some myself, no, to no. be quite honest with you. And the last uh, con, well, the only con we've done, the Space Con, <laughs> at the beginning of the month here in Columbus, Ohio, we were uh, fortunate enough to sell some of the uh, Think Alike production coloring books. And mm-hmm. boy, oh boy, weren't they the uh, hot items of Flew the table. Well, yeah, they, yeah, were, yeah, they were gone as fast as we set them down. So, wow. uh, yeah, that's a great idea. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's something I've been intrigued by with seeing because most all of the adult coloring books you see at uh, you know any of the stores and whatnot, they all seem to be uh, like um, ornate designs and all yeah, these crazy all things. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. symmetrical, yeah. like it's like mindless filling this star and then yeah. this weird ribbon. I'd much rather color a sexy pinup. <laughs> right. I want right. to color Silk Spectre and I want to give her a kick-ass pair of dragon wings. <laughs> too. There you go. There you go. You're bound only by your imagination. Exactly. <laughs> That's very cool. Now you uh, yourself, you hit the con circuit pretty hard. Uh, are you going to be in the Columbus Wizard World this year? Yes, I will. I will be at San Diego Comic Con the weekend before. So I'll be there from like Tuesday to Monday. I'll get back home sometime Monday and then get ready to go to Wizard World Columbus that Friday. So it, uh, I might be a little tired and be a little wore out that weekend. Possibly. Just he says a little. <laughs> You're going to be really worn out, yes. It's possible that I will be undead by the time I get there, no guarantee. That's Sean Forney, wouldn't even talk right. to me. <laughs> he said he was too tired or something. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh, hopefully we're going to be there uh, with the table as well, so uh, we'll get to see any other uh, con appearances you'd like to uh, tell the people about. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, for Free Comic Book Day, I will be at Packrat Comics, and um, I will be at Motor City Comic Con uh, the, the following weekend after Free Comic Book Day. And then in June, I'll be at Colossal Con, and then, yeah, July, I'll be San Diego Comic Con and Wizard World Columbus. Awesome. Lots of places for the uh, listeners to check out Sean Forney and his work. I don't know where you get the energy, Sean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but more power to you, my friend. And uh, just a reminder that Kickstarter is going till June 7th. Anyone who wants to pledge uh, money toward it and get some awesome rewards, that's Geeky Goddesses, the pinup art of Sean Forney. Sean, thanks so much for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. All right, everyone, and now that that's behind us, let's just jump right into the comic dump bin. Who would like to go first this week? I will go first this week. Go first this week. And I'd like to start by, I'm just going to get the negatives out of the way because there's some great stuff in this book and uh, some stuff that's not that great. The art style is a little muddled. The colors are not very good. The storyline's a little weak for the premise they're working with, and all in all, it was just kind of a C-plus effort. But this is called Iron Siege. It is about zombies in World War II. 
and that is awesome, yeah. right? <laughs> There's like no getting around that. Nazi you, zombies or just zombies? Just zombies. Zombies. Okay. What's but, the, what you're saying? You say it all the time. Two great tastes. Two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs> there you go. Buy your t-shirts. Candair.com. <laughs> to be announced later. Um, so you've got this American. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It starts with two French guys in obviously Nazi-occupied France, mid 40s. Um, they're hunting boar because the war has cut off supply lines and food is scarce. And they've been tracking this one for a little while, and it turns around and attacks them, and it's some kind of mutated super boar. It's, like, sick and pus coming out of its eyes, and it wounds one of their uh, hunters who they bring back to town, hard cut to this American, like, deep commando ops unit ambushing a, a Nazi officer on his way back who they believe has plans for some kind of big invasion, some Nazi offensive. And they end up capturing him, killing off his guards and taking him and three or four of his men prisoner. They're driving back to their like mobile command post in France and something runs out in front of their car. They're like troop carrier. So the driver swerves and crashes and gets killed and then they get attacked by these ghoulish, like loping predatory things. They're like mutants, you know. And uh, so they fight their way through to this village where they're ambushed by even more. And I tell you what, the events of this, if it sounds jarring, me describing this, that's because the pacing of this comic is kind of jarring. Like, everything happens very fast. Mm -hmm. They come to terms with the idea of shooting in the head within, like, one panel. It's just like, they see them. First person takes a shot, and he's like, headshots only. You need to kill them, shoot them in the head. I'm like, oh, all right, wow. None of the buildup that usually leads to that revelation. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so they're in this, this French village um, with their... Nazi prisoners of war uh, they're being waylaid by these horrid mutated zombie creatures which have like long claws and more teeth than they should they almost look ape-like which is kind of cool they had a good look to them and uh, they hole up in this castle they make some daring escape the next morning shooting these things as they go it's, it's pretty boilerplate shooting zombies escaping you know stuff like that like if you've seen 28 days later it's just like 28 days later 1942 you know mm. But uh, at the end, they finally get this Nazi colonel back to base, and they're like, Colonel, you're going to tell us when that offensive blah, 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 decodes and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, oh, yes, of course, I'll do this for you. And then it, like, zooms in <laughs> on his side, and he's got a vial of blood from one of those monsters that he's, like, sneaking into his pocket. And you're like, oh, no, the SS is going to make super soldiers, which they've been dreaming about forever, you know. So that was cool. And there is one line I thought was really fantastic. When these Americans are just flabbergasted by these horrors that are attacking them, and the Nazi colonel tells them, he's like, you don't know this because you're from a new world. Here in the old world, villages can disappear overnight. It's just like the idea that, you know, Europe knows about vampires and monstrosities and stuff. And we're just like, the hell is that? I've never seen one of those before. <laughs> I don't know. It was really cool. And I don't want to shit on it because somebody put work and love into this. And it's, it's good. It's good. It's just a little, it's, it could, it could have been better. I don't know. Maybe there's another issue out there that's better than the first. So It doesn't look like there's a whole lot of reading in there, but it sure is a beautiful book, and I do like the way the creatures look. It's like yeah, a cross between like cool. a like a uh, mummified look yeah, and they're, a... they're kind uh, of shriveled. Like, yeah, yeah, and a yeah. kind of an ape, upright ape, yeah. razor Almost tooth Almost like, like the monster apes Ugh. from Congo. Yeah, You've seen that like cinematic that. gem. Yeah. 
um, and and I tell you what, the cover art on the front is phenomenal. I yeah, love cool. that picture. That is the coolest. The art inside the book does not hold up to that standard, which I feel like an asshole for saying it. Right. Uh, artist, writer, you guys are fine. You created something cool. I'm just picky. Stop being an asshole, Jake. I know. Okay, a little bit more work, and they would have done like the cover. I know, so right? Just yeah. a little bit. They were so close, but yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. I certainly don't not recommend it. That's like a triple negative. I'm not even sure what I just suggested. It's cool. <laughs> Read it. <laughs> All right. Very cool. Iron Siege. Iron Siege. Who'd like to go next? I'll go next because mine's easy and quick. Do it. I've been described the same way. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. I finished up the trade or the whole, yeah, the whole trade, I guess, for uh, Civil War. Nice. Last I left off, Peter Parker had just unmasked himself to the public. Spoilers. Yeah. Hey, it might not happen in the movie. Yeah, probably Since not. Since that's coming out here... T- well, it just came out by the time this is it. Yeah, if you're hearing this, mm-hmm. it's out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, this is our free comic book day episode or something, yeah. right? <laughs> Happy free comic book day yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that, everybody. <laughs> But uh, yeah, after reading it, I was, I've was i always known the premise of the whole story, but I didn't know exactly what went down and how it went down. And I was really surprised at the end. I don't know if I should spoil it because I might kill the movie. That maybe you should question. hold off yeah. on because that's up in the air. That could probably... Yeah, hold off maybe. I can't the... believe it was all just a dream. <laughs> it's <so> wild. <laughs> but reading that book, I've never been so hyped up reading that book page by page as I was with... Uh, uh, what was it? Avengers versus X-Men, I think it was, that just came out not too mm-hmm. long ago. Oh, my God, that was so good. I was just flipping through page after page. <laughs> Chris Evan wakes up, and he's really he's still the human torch, and the whole Captain <laughs> America thing was just a dream. <laughs> if only and, I could be that hero. Like I was telling you today with the whole the Black Panther in the book, he was on nobody's side. Just kind of a neutral. Until, yeah, farther in the end, and then he was on Cap's side, but he's on, what, Iron Man's side. In the yeah, movie, they, yeah, they like, make it look like that in the trailer. Yeah. They've, they've got to give him uh, a strong part in this movie if yep. they're going to be putting out his own movie. It, it looks like it's going to be sweet. I mean, just on the few scenes of him just running down the road. Oh, yeah. And that, like, quick glimpse of him fighting, like, oh, he's going to be bad. He mm-hmm. seems cool as hell, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be sweet. If so. they don't make him, like, excellent in this movie, they're going to shoot themselves so hard in the foot, gravity's going to loop it back around and hit the other foot, too. Like, they've got to knock it good. out of the park. I think it'll be good. And uh, one thing I have to say, if you follow us on Twitter, Jake over here is the one that's saying Team Iron Man. I have to stay, say uh, Team Cap oh, for him. Finally, it's out in the open. <laughs> I think I'll be I wondered the, uh, when this would come to I'll a be head. the Black Panther of the group and say that I'm going to remain neutral. <laughs> Coward. Get off the fence. We're at war. <laughs> All right. If you're making me pick, it's got to be Cap. Let's hear it. It's got to be Cap. Absolutely. You. Cap. You're in cahoots. You're cahootsing. <laughs> what about you, Richard? Team Cap, Cap. or Team Iron Cap. Man? Hear that? Damn yeah. dirty idealists. Nothing about the money. Oh, stand up for what's right. Team Iron Man works for the man. Yeah, we man. are the man. That's the cool part. You get to be the man. All right. Civil War. Very cool. Yes. Very cool. Richard, do you want to go next? Well, um, book I was thinking about, actually, if, can we talk about current books or? We'll talk about whatever book you want. All right, then. Um, Except like Pride and Prejudice. I mean, <laughs> come on. We all had a Little women's been done too <laughs> yeah. many times. I read uh, The Micronauts. The relaunch that just came out. Uh, uh, IDW put it out. Colin Bunn wrote it. And the uh, art team, I must say, the, the long list is kind of confusing with all of the uh, people who finished and, and did their various parts of it. But I believe that uh, uh, David Baldian... Uh, 
did the, the overall layouts of the book. Because I remember, I mean, I bought, this is a, a flashback to exactly how old I really am. I bought um, Micronauts number one, you know, on the sh on the newsstands at that time. There weren't many comic stores. Back in that day, well, the comics came around in a bin, and the horse <laughs> drew came up, and the men, they 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 lifted the crates, and they, they put the comics on the shelves one by one. Um, but the, uh, the original stories, of course, by Michael... Uh, with, with artwork by Michael Golden, and then um, later down the line, one of the, more, the most uh, noteworthy successor after Michael Golden being Pat Broderick, uh, he had a long run on the book too. But this current reboot, um, I must admit, I was, you know, you're always a little trepidatious. You, you pick up the book and you're wondering just exactly what have you gotten yourself into. But I'll say that I found it incredibly enjoyable. The... Uh, the handling of all the characters, uh, very pleasing. The, the storyline itself is quite compelling. Uh, zero spoilers in what I, I speak about, in just broad generalities here. But they set up a lot of tension, a lot of mystery, a really good balance, as you would expect from Mr. Bond. But, um, you know, I, I'm, already, I'm already in love with some of the characters, I already hate some of the characters. So for issue one, job well done. I'm going to have to pick that up. I had no Same idea there's a new one coming out. And I, if it's on IDW, it's got to be pretty mm -hmm. good. I they did uh, Iron Siege IDW title. There you go. Yeah. But you didn't like it. I liked it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I came on a little strong. I'm sorry. Um, I forget their names, but it's in here. Iron Siege, guys. Iron Siege, Hello, dude. insult, meet injury. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, James Abraham and Andrew Hong. You guys did something pretty cool. Trevor Goring, work on your art. Oh, wow. no, man. It's Damn. Ouch, I felt that. Where were we? <laughs> Go ahead, Richard. Or were you finished? Uh, yeah, I, I was finished. I mean, I, I overall, um, a very enjoyable book. I'd say as far as, um, you know, I, I don't want to say as far as reboots. I'd just say as far as comic books go, a very enjoyable comic book. Um, uh, amazingly enjoyable when it comes to, to some of the reboot books out there. Um I'd say if you're a fan of the old Micronauts, you'll still love it. And even if you've never heard of Micronauts and don't know you've got one right there on the desk beside you, um, <laughs> you'll still find it uh, a great read. I'm going to pick that up. How long ago did that come out? Uh, last week. Okay. Oh, well, so yeah, we'll get it. Yep. Sweet. Very cool. Micronauts. All right. My offering this week is... Um, Came about in kind of a funny way. I was at the Walmart. We were looking through the toy aisle and checking out the Marvel Legends. Was kind of looking for Gwen Stacy, uh, the Spider Gwen, but mm -hmm. just kind of seeing what would come up. And there was a Ben Riley uh, spectacular Spider Man with the interchangeable head for uh, a Spider Carnage. And I had to buy it. Loved that character. Now, I know a lot of people don't like the story arc that comes from. It came from the uh, Web of Carnage in the 90s with the Spectacular Spider-Man uh, through the whole clone series. Um, but the reason I had to have it was because part four of that series was the very first Marvel comic I ever bought and uh, started me down the Marvel course that I uh, am on to this day, I suppose. Uh, I'm just not too happy with the current <laughs> Spider-Man, I guess. That's why I'm going back and reading these old ones. But um, anyway, so I thought I would talk about my first comic I ever bought and the spectacular Spider-Man, Web of Car Carnage, number four. But the way this comic starts is uh, pretty much Ben Riley is 
he has the carnage inside himself and he's trying to use it to his benefit but at the same time the reason he has it in himself is he's trying to safeguard it keep it from getting back to Cletus Cassidy who's sitting in Ravencroft dying of uh, cancer without the without the symbiote bond he's just dying wasting away but uh he can't control it he's having the hell of a hell of a time keeping himself from uh wanting to kill when he's stopping criminals like the whole time you see him like punching criminals around you see these little uh like subconscious bubbles come up say like spill his guts uh rip his throat you know and the whole time he's like no can't do that can't do that and you see in his head his imagining how he's handling the situation just gutting everyone but then he cuts to how he's really dealing with it and just letting them go away he's like get out of here before you know i can't control it so he gets to the point where he realizes i got to get rid of this symbiote i can't control it like i thought i would but you know, maybe there's someone who can give me advice on how to control it. So he's like, I'm going to Ravencroft. I'm going to talk to Cletus Cassidy, which sounds like a horrible idea. Oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, off he goes and he does go to Cletus and uh, beats on the way. He's like, you know, Cletus, how do you how do I control this? You need to tell me how I control this now. And he laughs. and He goes, you're such a fool. He goes, there's no controlling it. He goes, it controls you. And he says, I have called the symbiote to me, and lo and behold, here it is. And in that moment, Ben realizes, you know, his thought of, oh, I'm going to go to Cletus to, you know, look for some advice and wrangling this power was just the symbiote tricking him into getting him closer to Cassidy. And the second he makes that realization, the symbiote comes barreling out of his chest and like a big fist and just goes straight through the glass that uh, uh, Cassidy's on the other side of, and the symbiote just bonds with him and just, oh... It's it's masterful. It's my wonderful. kingdom for a symbiote. That's Tell me about yeah. it. You, would you let yourself go to it? Oh my god, that's not even a question. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, let me think. Yeah. That or go back to my everyday job. Ooh, I will take mm. the unlimited strength and ferocity, please. Yeah, but even if it means losing your own mind. <sighs> what little <laughs> there is. To <laughs> <laughs> what am I still anyway. clinging to that for? <laughs> it's never done me any good. <laughs> Oh, and with that, uh, I think that's going to do it for me. Uh, the Spectacular Spider-Man Web of Carnage, 404. That figure's yeah. badass looking. Yeah, he is. Cool I immediately just hell. put the Carnage head on him and put him up because that's claws uh, are brutal. what I remember. He was just, just those claws, too. They were razor sharp. <laughs> yeah. Just ripping people's guts, their intestines and spill. Uh, what piece did he come with to build a figure? He came with Absorbing Man's arms. Mm. I've got two arms? Mm-hmm. Both arms. Because huh, I've got a, the big wrecking ball that came with Spider Gwen. I don't even. That's just his accessory. It. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I that's that what I. Uh, I'll, I'll get the box out. We'll look at it. Thing's freaking here, huge. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a like big a tennis ass. Ball. Is that the same figure? Uh, same dude that's in Shield right now? Yeah, that turned into rubber. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. That's what I thought. That was cool. But anyway, so uh, yeah, if you're ever uh, in the old dump bins and see that one, check it out. I know the Clone series doesn't get much respect, but. Uh, Hey, it was my first. It broke my comic cherry, so I have special love for it in my heart. You always remember. Yeah, you always remember your first. All right. Well, with that all finished up, let's just turn our attention over to Richard and talk about Storm Pirates. Thanks again for being with us, Richard. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Uh, always enjoy talking with you guys. Yeah, and likewise, man. Uh, and we're excited to talk about Storm Pirates. This, uh, we got to see... A, uh, a rough draft, if you will. Uh, I guess an un- just an uncolored draft, or are you still working on the story, or how far along are you with it, actually? Well, um, actually, that would be 99.9% done. I'd say somebody threw, uh, the, the letterer threw in 
the end at the end of the story when clearly it's to be continued. Um, <laughs> I wondered about that. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, other than other than that, um, that's pretty much the story as it will be, as it will appear uh, in the final colored version. My colorist will be done on uh, the day after Free Comic Day, hey. um, and I'll have everything delivered then, and then I'll slide it back to the letterer, and he'll spruce it all up, and uh, and we'll be hitting the presses soon after that. So I expect. Um, We'll have the book out a little bit before either the probably the last week of May. Now, was there a Kickstarter run for this at any time, or was there going to be? Uh, no, as far as as far as I go, no, we did not. I like to get you know it's, it's just just one of my many many quirks, but I like to get the uh, first issue done, completely done, so that people can kind of see what we're what we're going to do, what the product is, and then after that happens I, I don't mind you know people going in and making an informed decision <laughs> if they want to help me get number two or number three done right yeah give them a point of reference I understand that it makes cool. good sense to me yeah absolutely sure. you don't I mean people aren't going to throw money at something they can't see or understand yeah, yeah, yet. yeah. yeah. especially with the artwork we've seen uh, yeah it's a good swaying point so tell the listeners about Storm Pirates well I'll, I'll kind of go through uh, some of the first issue first. Of course, we begin with um, that splash page, which you you, know, you dive right into the story uh, just as Blaze, the lead character, is falling a few hundred feet off the top of a ship with lightning and a storm going off in the background to maybe a certain death. Um, but we find out, of course, that, that he pulls through. There's some technology that his uh, grandfather has provided him. We begin the story with action, and we begin the story with the team already formed and already with about three or four months of adventuring under their belt. Because I really wanted to start, um, I want to start right in the thick of the action. The the, the 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 entire series will hopefully be kind of my tribute to, in some ways, those those the ends of the little movie serials where you would get. You know, you would begin with a point of action um, that kind of resolves a cliffhanger. You end with a cliffhanger. I just want to keep the entire story rolling forward, fast-paced, and hopefully, you know, each exclamation point at the end of the story leads you to want to find out what happens. I think there's a pretty big exclamation point at the end of the first one. Uh, I don't know if you guys would agree. Yeah, absolutely, and I I feel... uh... Very scared to talk anything about it, being as it's right. not even out to the public yet. So I don't want to ruin everything. But uh, well, no, you know, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I, I know. That's the uh, that's that's always the <laughs> that's, that's the balancing point there. But I'll say that as far as the story goes, we begin at that point in the story because this is where the team uh, everything has been uh, very lighthearted. I'd say to this point. Uh, more, uh, you know, daytime Disney, fun, fun, adventure, oh, a little bit of danger, haha, everything's great. And this is where they really step in it. Um, unfortunately, uh, they mess with, well, one of the, one of the gods. Um, gets a little upset with them. And uh, it's going to complicate their lives for some time to come. And how they deal with that and how it alters their, uh, their adventuring. And you know, imperils our world will uh, will kind of all come together as those issues go. The first issue arcs will be of uh, a five issue arc will be the first series of the you know first story. Along with many other things, Blaze 
who lost his parents um, earlier this year, he finds out that his uh, grandfather is in fact a billionaire and is responsible for a, a lot of the inventions in the world that has kind of shaped the world as it is. Another thing in the series will be that as Zoltan uh, Stratos, that's the name of his grandfather, mm -hmm. as he invents things and as he gets those technologies perfected, they will be released into the world and they will impact the world. It won't be like a Reed Richards with, oh boy, I've got this great thing and uh, no, I don't really think the world is ready for it or you can't have it. But uh, None of that restraint. Yeah, there it is. You like that? There it is. I think it's great. And if you'd like to pay me for it, then you are certainly welcome to have it. Yeah. Um, but in a responsible way. I mean, so far, just things like water desalinization and algae fuel and things of that sort. Um, this particular technology, I could see uh, some very bad uses for it. But as far as the limiters he has on it right now, I mean, being able to. Uh, power down a storm and have the, the impact of that storm on your coastline be far less than it would have been, uh, you know, especially with uh, climate change, could save you a, a number of billions of dollars, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So it, it could be a good investment. And of course, Blaze is wearing a much less um, effective and much more temporary version, which is what kind of breaks his fall before he hits the ocean. Oh, I see. Rounding out the team, we have Leela, who is a native that uh, Zoltan ran into when one of his experiments went wrong and he was floating face down in the ocean. She found him. She's part of a, a group of people who uh, are very accustomed to the ocean. They still live what we would call primitively, I suppose. There's, you know... Uh, no lights, no motor cars, not a single luxury. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Gilligan's Island, right? Right? Is. Is that right. What it was? Yeah. It's only but, supposed to be a three-hour tour, you guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, what well, darn Gilligan! But, um, but they, uh, you know, they don't. They haven't really embraced technology to the extent that we have, and as uh, a result of that. Um, they are much more in tune with nature, as um, probably throughout the book you could tell Leela is a little more empathic and a little more um, in tune with what was going on in the background and, and warned them before it really all went to hell that it was going to happen. Um, then we have Ethan, his best friend from high school. Ethan is there kind of just being moral support because it, he leaves on this adventure, Blaze does, soon after his parents have died. Um, his grandfather appears, they go off on an adventure kind of before you, you know, see the world some, before you go to college kind of thing. Um, and of course, Blaze is only 16, um, but he was graduating. He's, he's uh, very gifted athletically and um, also scholastically. And Ethan has kind of just been there for him and been a friend. And uh, Ethan's family helped him out when uh, Blaze's family had passed away. Wow. So, Many layers we, to this one. Well, yeah, um, and, and um, you know, and then, of course, we have Zoltan, who uh, appears and has not been there at all during the first 16 years of Blaze's life. He had been estranged from Blaze's mother, and uh, she had just said that he was dead, which is always the go-to there when you're, you know, not wanting anybody to contact your, <laughs> contact your family. Right. The equivalent but, uh, of saying your dog ran away. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to talk about it or whatever. 
<laughs> but uh, um, and then of course we you know we even meet uh, the head of security there very briefly. Uh, there's there are there's quite the cast of characters, um, and I have to say, uh, of course, the one of the biggest stars of the entire book. Uh, you know, just it's just visually that uh, Drew Moss has done an incredible job. Um, uh, I've always enjoyed his artwork. I've bought a lot of his original artwork over the years, you know, full disclosure there. The Orlando Drew Moss um, Art Museum is always open. Right now we have the Terrible Lizard um, installation going on. But um, he just did a fantastic job and really added a lot to the series. Um, we, we would discuss the... Uh, the direction and the look of, like the uh, the Artemis, that ship that they're on, that's uh, just a huge, huge submersible vehicle. Not just a submarine; it can it can also travel above water as well. But for the most part, they choose not to. And just given the sheer scale of it, probably a pretty good idea, as you guys can attest from that double page splash there, where they're surrounded by a pod of blue whales. And that was cool. They, yeah. And they look about the size of, you know, rather large salmon, I suppose. But, yeah, I think that I think we tried to hint at some of the interpersonal relationships that have formed already between especially the trio, um, Ethan, Leela and Blaze. Um, of course, there's the uh, the inscrutable Zoltan there that, that is kind of behind everything. We're going to find out a little bit more um, very quickly in issue two. It turns out that, of course, um, Blaze did invent their suits. Now, how he did that, and uh, some of the, the facilities there that Zoltan has at his disposal um, helped him with that quite a bit. Because Zoltan has something called the Think Tank, which is basically where you go in and you are, uh, it's like a sensory deprivation tank, only it's one that has connections to all these apparatus in this entire say air you know air hanger style air hanger sized room and while you're in this subconscious state you actually are, are free to invent and um, some of the more creative starts as Zoltan has had is, is from this because while you're in that subconscious state computer assisted and also using some of those mechanisms there you're actually inventing some of the future apparatus that they'd be using and that was where blaze first invented the prototypes for their suits that they wear but after after they get in the trouble um with one of the gods the next issue we'll be dealing with that and just to kind of give you some of the highlights there and drew's especially especially enthused about issue two because issue two is giant monsters issue uh so we go from you know a sea adventure we get, issue two is of course still sea adventure but giant monsters and issue three uh they face the minotaur of Medusa Island. So there's actually an island where there are quite a few things all run into, and one they get to keep. I can get behind big monsters oh, yeah. any day of the week. <laughs> Man, who can't? Yeah, uh, that's that's exciting. I can't wait to see that. I can't wait to see this one in uh, in color too. Not that it's. Uh, not beautiful without, but man, yeah, especially like that spread you're talking about, where you see the ship next to the uh, like the whales. Mm-hmm. That's going to be awesome to see in color. I cannot freaking wait. Now, uh, I'm sorry, I know you already said uh, toward the beginning, but how soon is this going to be available to the public? Um, the last week of May, um, 
I believe it will be, it should be all done. Um, and that's even giving us a little cushion time. I'd say the last week of May. Last week of May. And that's, uh, you know, I'll have copies. Now, there is going to be a stormpirates.com. It's not up yet, but I do have the... I do have the name reserved, so that it will be under there. Um, for the most part, everything that comes out um, before their their individual sites are up, you can find at sabbatybunny.com. I'll uh, I'm going to give them their own pages temporarily while we get their you know site equal to what we've got for stabbitybunny.com, and then. And of course, we're going to be submitting to Comixology, and it will be in Comixology under Think Alike Productions, along with a lot of other titles we've got coming soon. Very cool. And you're going to be at uh, Wizard World uh, Columbus, aren't you? I am. Yes. Looking forward to that. Um, quite a bit. We're going to have, by the time Wizard World Columbus comes around, we definitely will have that in hand. We'll have Wild Bull and Chipper number two as well. That's about halfway done. Um We'll have the finally have Stabity Bunny four, Sweet. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's going to be great. I mean, the part of the part of the the uh, delay with like Stabity Bunny four has been, of course, it's the exact same team as Wild Bull and Chipper. So oh. there's only so many hours in the day, unfortunately. I mean, I can write it, but getting it drawn and and getting having the the colorist and even the letterer to an extent, you know, getting around to it. Um, just takes some time. Need some ambidextrous people to do one on one <laughs> hand and one on the other. It always amazes me the level of dedication comic writers and artists have because you spend time slaving, you know, over the story, getting it, you know, put uh, onto the pages, getting artwork done, getting it colored, getting it distributed. And when it gets into the hand of the reader, you know, <laughs> after what's it take to read a comic maybe like five minutes you know it's a five minute experience but it i don't know i love it i just absolutely love it does that make sense yeah that sounds stupid no i I see what you mean the the ratio of time put in to time spent entertaining someone is huge which is why i feel so much worse about harping on iron siege's (laughs) shortcomings right now well, you know, I, I guess I should have probably thought that out more when I say that. Because, you know, for instance, this book I talked about in the Retro Roundtable, Spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah, I was done with this book in just a few minutes. But all sure. these years later, I still, it's still, parts of it still Makes stick out impression. to me. Yeah. Yeah, there yeah. are panels, there's ways things are drawn. Uh, you get to come back and reread ability. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. It's just, it's an awesome medium. I wish I was talented enough to uh, draw or write that stuff. Well, Richard, this has been a lot of fun, and uh, Storm Pirates, again, was a lot of fun to read, so thanks for sending that to us. And we'll definitely, uh, when you have that website up, send us a link. We'll put it on our website. We'll uh, tweet the hell out of it and uh, just make sure we get as many people into Storm Pirates as possible. Great. And, um, of course, with the free comic day coming up, we do have the Think Alike Productions free comic day giveaway, right? Yes, Mm -hmm. we sure do. We sure do. A uh, whole bunch of merchandise from Think Alike Productions that they so generously den- uh, donated. Thanks again, Richard, yeah. and uh, everyone who else at Think Alike Productions who's, who uh, may be listening. But uh, yeah, Richard, I think you know a little bit better about what's going to be in that bundle at this point than we do. Do you want to tell people? Sure. Um, we'll have Stabity Bunny 1, 2, and 3. I'll have a Stabity Bunny t-shirt, uh, one of our larger Stabity Bunny stickers um we'll have a trade paperback of the agency fantastic book another fantastic book we'll have trade paperback of the salvagers um and then you know there's going to be a few other titles here and there oh oh by the way guys 
the second printing of the coloring book is done. Hey. Yes. That's a crowd pleaser. Um, yeah, the uh, the coloring book did so well. You know, as you know from our experience at the, the convention there, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I've, I, had, I did a much bigger second printing. So if you have the first printings out there and you haven't colored it yet, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Bag and board it and put it on the shelf. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot going on with Think Alike Productions. This is really going to be an exciting year. It already has been, but we just have so many things lined up. Um, and uh, we really want to thank you guys for for all you do getting the word out because uh, you know it's, it's guys like you that that uh, gives us a, you know gives us a chance gives us uh, some exposure and uh, you know no matter how good or bad the comic book is unless they know it exists the person can't judge they can't uh, enjoy the book so you guys do a very important uh, job. Well, thank you. It means a lot, uh, but it's, it hardly feels like a job. We get to read yeah, comic yeah, books. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it just fuels what we already love. So, mm-hmm. no, thank you for uh, everything you guys have done to us, and uh, thanks again for being with us here today, Richard. Oh, sure. Thank you. Jack, what do we got on the website? Go to cannedairpodcast.com, where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on our social media, visit the Hall of Heroes and see the Wall of Justice. Check out our video page and see some of our YouTube PSAs and the unboxing videos that we'll have up there here pretty soon. Oh, yeah, Uh, I forgot. Good stuff. We haven't done those in a while. We're cracking open a nuclear warhead this week. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, uh, send us an email on your contacts page. And also for the giveaway, there'll be a link in the top left-hand corner. On the website? Yeah. Okay, cool. And we'll bust that on Twitter, I'm sure. Yeah many times as we can oh, absolutely very I'm cool i'm tired of seeing it god that it says well shut up about this thing this is going to be probably one of the best prizes we've ever given away yeah i mean Some honestly stuff. yeah uh, i mean a t-shirt and tons of comics mm-hmm. from think alike productions if you guys already if you have read think alike productions you know what kind of treat you're in for if you haven't what a great introduction right absolutely yeah so look forward to that i can't wait to see who wins but, uh, yeah, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. Uh, I think Jack already mentioned the YouTube page. Am I forgetting something? Where can you find Richard? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, he said <laughs> Stabity Bunny. He was going to put something up oh, yeah. similar to that, right? You don't have a website up yet, Richard, right? Uh, for Storm Pirates, no. StabityBunny.com has a, has a uh, website up. And I kind of just go put everything through there right now. I'm going to put a Storm Pirates page on it and a Storm and a uh, Wild Bowl and Chipper page as well, which might be a little confusing, but we're going to point people there for for the moment because either that or, um, like you say, find some more arms and some more time because uh, <laughs> just kind of keeping ahead of the artist right now. It's like, you know, writing one book, it was great. It's like, yeah, I'm done. Come on, get this book done. What are you, what, what's going on here? But uh, but now with writing uh, three and a half books, it's uh, a little different story. Yeah, I can imagine. I can't imagine really having that much yeah. work to do. But God bless you for doing it, man. It's you, uh, people like you that uh, make the comic world go around, right? Oh, yeah. Well, all right. And with that, I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Jake Runyon. And I'm Rich Rivera. Thanks for listening, everyone. Throw the ball over here, Mervin. Whoa, 
Oops! Let's tell Mom Billy did it! Hold on there, Mervyn. Wow, it's Flint! It's one thing to break a window, but it's another to blame Simple Billy. You should be inside listening to the Candare podcast. What about the window? I guess you shouldn't have broke it. Now we know! And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.